Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to see everyone here. Let's all stand. We're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, Brother Bell is, uh, he was taken away to the ER early this morning. And uh, I spoke with Sister Bell just briefly. And long story short, uh, it doesn't look good. She said that uh, this is generally what happens when the body starts to shut down. And so uh, I want us to take some time here this morning. Uh, We'll just follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. I want us to spend some time in prayer, not just a few minutes. And let's pray for Brother Bell. Let's pray for Sister Bell, their family. We need a miracle. Brother and Sister Bell are integral to this congregation. Their ministries formed what this church is today. I know it's not just one man, one woman. It's a team. But God used them here. We need to pray. We need a miracle. Maybe this is vain. Maybe this is arrogant. I don't know. But in my heart of hearts, I don't believe this is the plan of God. I don't believe this is the will of God for Brother Bell. I think it will happen if we don't intervene, if we don't pray and, and intercede for him. I know it's the will of God to fulfill your days. I also know that people's lives are cut short prematurely. Let's bind together this morning for just a little bit. For a space of time, let's bring his name before the throne of grace. Let's intercede on behalf of Brother Bell. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering patience to usward. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus, for your so great faithfulness to us, to the covenant promises that you've given us in your word. We have been unfaithful in times past, but you are altogether faithful and will ever remain faithful. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're binding together right now, Lord, on behalf of Brother Bell. He's not a perfect man. None of us are. But he has dedicated his life to serving you. And I know we can't earn any good thing of you. But Lord Jesus, he is your child. When you looked upon the multitudes, you looked upon them with compassion. You healed every sickness. You cured every disease. We're praying right now for Brother Bell. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. To the extent you've given me authority over this sickness, Lord, I take authority over this sickness in the name of Jesus Christ. This infirmity in the name of the Lord God of hosts. I command it to die. I command it to wither and shrivel up and die. And I command perfect healing to take place within his body. I pray, Lord, complete deliverance for him in Jesus' name. In any case, Lord, it's your authority, it's your power that heals, not ours. So we turn to you. Medical science is frustrated in this situation. It has come long ago to its end. But you can, Lord Jesus, heal him. If you will but speak the word. He will be healed. I acknowledge, Lord, that I could be wrong in this and that this might be your will. I acknowledge my imperfections. But, Lord Jesus, I'm still praying. I'm still asking. I'm still seeking for healing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray for Sister Bell. I pray for their family. I pray, Lord, that You would release faith into their their family right now. 
release faith into their situation right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to believe you for the supernatural, to believe you for the impossible. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And as we wait upon you, give them comfort. Give them peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. In all things, Lord, in this and in all things, we acknowledge your supremacy. We acknowledge your sovereignty. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. We give all glory and honor, all worship and praise to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are asking for something very specific. If the answer is something else, we will still worship. We will still praise you. I will still thank you for your great goodness to usward, your great faithfulness to us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We pray for this service this morning that you administer here wondrously and gloriously. We are seeking in this place also a move of the supernatural. That you would speak, that you would move, that you would act in our midst here today according to your perfect will and according to our desperate need this morning. Let your great name be magnified in our midst here today. All of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's continue to remember the bells. Let's continue to remember the bells. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Sister DeMuth, we're going to switch up the order of service. I hope that's not too much of a problem. Okay. Switch the messages around, please. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read this. Oh, I should say, uh, before we start, uh, we had our sectional conference yesterday. The ministers got together. Uh, you'll be happy to know, I, as I was, that Brother Parker was re-elected as our presbyter for Section 4. He is, and I, I know I'm sounding facetious when I say that, but I truly, I am truly impressed with Brother Parker's leadership and his, his, his ability to lead men. It's... Uh, Glad to be catching a few rays of that off of Brother Parker. And I, I, I truly mean that. We're blessed to have him. Sister Parker, we're truly blessed to have them in our congregation. Whenever we get them, they're gone a lot preaching, and that's good. That's good. But we're glad when they're here. Amen. Brother DeMuth was reelected as the uh, Section 4 secretary and the North American Missions rep. Sister DeMuth is the uh, ladies' rep for Section 4, and yours truly was uh, elected as the global missions rep. We have a lot of section positions in this church. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Just realized that. Praise God. A church that serves. That's okay. Keep our section in prayer. Keep our district in prayer. God is doing so many things, so many good things in our section and in our district. And right here in our church. Look at everybody this morning. This is awesome. Two weeks ago, it was like a fourth of this. Praise God. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. This was read at the sectional conference yesterday, and uh, it kind of really jumped out to me, that word transformed. And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. 
the difference between inspiration and transformation. There is most certainly a difference. There's a stark difference between personality and character. <clears throat> now, before I, I think I've spoke on this before, but uh, stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance. Amen. Before the Industrial Revolution, the vast majority of people were born, lived their lives, and died in or near the same community. Everybody just kind of knew everyone. You grew up with people, and you got to know them. You didn't have to put up a front because you saw them in their best days. You saw them in their worst days. You knew who they were. You knew if they were a little bit lazy. You knew if they were industrious. You knew if they were uh, maybe courageous. Uh, in, in the midst of, of natural disaster, or uh, you knew if they were steadfast, or if they were a little bit wishy-washy. You couldn't really hide the fact of who you were because you spent all day, every day with someone. You knew what everyone was like. You knew who they were, and everybody knew who you were. You lived your entire life with people, and so you get to know them. When you live with someone that long, it becomes really hard to throw up a facade. To give someone the idea or the impression that you're someone else, that you're someone different. The longer you spend with someone, the harder that becomes. The longer you interact with someone, the more you get to know them. When you're dating someone... Those of you that have been through this process, there are a few that haven't yet. But when you start dating someone, <laughs> it's not very real in that you're always putting your best foot forward. You're always going to spend an hour and a half. When I had hair, I would spend a long time on it. Believe it or not, this used to be a thick mop. It used to be so thick. Ticks would get stuck in there. And I, wouldn't, I would never find them until they got all fat and gray. <clears throat> I know that's, you wanted to hear that, right? <laughs> but it got thinned out really quick. <laughs> Ta-da. Anyway, I used to spend a long time in front of the mirror. I used to make sure everything looked good. Everything was taken care of, squared away. That's how we do and when we're with our special someone, we're always careful to say the right things. When we're at a restaurant, we <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> you want to be very careful how you're acting, your manners, and in everything. Make sure you. <clears throat> Later on, after you're married, then reality starts to sink in. You look over at that person and, what happened? Who are you? Yeah, yeah. This is her speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already in. I'm just going to finish it. And <clears throat> The couch is comfy. It's not that bad. <laughs> but we start to see the real person. The person who, when you get up in the morning, they haven't spent an hour and a half in front of the mirror. And we start to see them when they're sick. And when bodily functions just happen. That's what I didn't want to say at the restaurant. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, that's just, we're human beings, right? Those things, anyway. But you start to see the real person, and the more time you spend married, the more time you start to see the real person. It's hard to, to keep that facade up for very long. It's tiring. It's wearying. And eventually, you're just, ah. Just be yourself. Be yourself. 
<clears throat> I don't trust people with hair. I think they're hiding something. <laughs> What's the old saying? Some some heads God created perfect and others he covered with hair. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, how do we get on here? So it's hard to maintain that facade for very long. When you spend day after day, week after month, year after year with someone, that falls apart. And cracks in that facade happen, and eventually the real you is going to come out, especially in times of stress, especially in times of emotional duress. That's when you're going to see the real person come out most starkly. And generally, character is only revealed and observed in those specific times. Anybody can be a good person when things are easy. We've said it before in different messages. Every worldview works when things are fine. Every belief system works when nothing is wrong. But when your life falls apart... That's when we start to see the veracity of what you believe in. And that is when we start to see the real person emerge under periods of stress. We know that uh, when people forge like I-beams or, or uh, structural devices that need to support a lot of weight, they'll take them in and they'll test them. They'll twist them and they'll, they'll uh, subject them to high heat, intense cold. And see how the metal responds. The metal is always going to be fine when it's just sitting there on the shelf. It looks good. But when you start to, to test it and strain it and stress it, then you start to see little stress fractures. You start to see weaknesses in the metal that ought not be there. But you can't tell that until then. So in times of moral dilemma, in times of stress, that's when you're going to see character emerge. Some character traits that uh, we think of when we think of character, someone might be generous, someone might be loyal or kind, disciplined, faithful, patient, steadfast, persistent, optimistic, courageous. That's just a small list. There's a lot more. And these are all good character traits. We could reverse them and think of some bad character traits. After the Industrial Revolution, generally speaking, people began to migrate from the farms and small communities into the big cities. That's where the money was. That's where the jobs were. People I never grew up with. People I just met yesterday. Well, how do I know them? How can I tell if what they're telling me is true? I don't know anything about you. I didn't grow up with you. I don't know what kind of character you have. You could be a dirty, rotten scoundrel for all I know. You seem nice. I don't know. So this is when people started to begin to rely on personalities. Because that's, that's kind of a, a, a quick take on someone. First impressions. We've all said that's the most important. The first impression. Why is that? Because a lot of times we don't have, we just don't have a lot of time to determine if you're a good person or not. This is where Dale Carnegie was able to kind of find a niche area with his motivational talks and his how to win friends and influence people. It's a good enough book. I've read it. You won't go wrong uh, applying those principles. But personality, generally speaking, is easier to observe. It's quicker to ascertain. Character, i got to really know someone. i got to spend time with them. And I've got to see them when things are not going well for them. The downside, though, of course, is that personality is not who someone is. That's not the real person. That's just how they're acting right now. Someone can have a 
powerful magnetic personality and be morally bankrupt. Have no character at all. Likewise, someone else can just be an absolute stinker when they're around people. They just turn people off. But solid moral character. When people are looking at personality, they're really trying to determine at a glance what kind of person this is. If you've ever conducted job interviews or if you've ever been a part of a job interview, that's what people are trying to ascertain about you. You come in for a job interview and they have maybe a half hour, an hour with you, and they're trying to determine in that half hour or hour whether or not you're going to be a good fit for my team, for this company. They don't know you from Adam. They've never, up till they saw your resume or application, they never knew you existed. And all they've known up to the time they shake your hand is what's on a piece of paper. That could be true or not true. That could be embellished. Who knows? So then they get to speak with you. And they ask you dumb questions. So what's your greatest strength? What's your greatest weakness? <clears throat> Where do you want to be in five years? I just I, I think they're dumb questions because they're so easily manipulated. I mean, everybody knows the right answer. Give them a strength and then for a weakness, give them a weakness that you can turn into a strength. <clears throat> but the job interviewer has a really tough job. trying to determine whether or not you're a good fit for this team from a piece of paper and from a half-hour talk with you. Some personality traits that we think of. Someone who's charming. Someone who's witty, charismatic, likable, maybe shy, persuasive, funny. None of those are character traits. But they're things that people are, and they're things that people can choose to be for a time. I can hate someone all day long, but be nice to them, shake their hand and tell them what a good person they are, charm the socks off of them. But inside, I want to see them destroyed. That's not good character. That's a likable personality. There's a huge difference between the two. This gives rise, naturally, to inspirational or motivational courses, events, self-help books, etc. I don't know if anyone's ever been to a, a motivational speaker. Uh, I've been to a few. And they're fun. I mean, they're fun. And they, they get everyone charged up. And I can do it. I can make this happen. I am good enough. Uh, you know, and getting someone to believe that they can do something. They get charged up and excited and, ah, I'm ready to get out the gate and seize the day. But the problem with these is, and that's a strength. I mean, I'd rather be motivated than unmotivated. I'm not saying that's wrong. But the shortcoming there is I'm still the same person. Whatever character flaws I had going into that, I still have coming out. And at the end of the day, it's the character flaws that are holding me back. It's not a lack of motivation. It's not a lack of, of uh, I just need to be emotionally charged enough to get this done. It takes more than inspiration. Because the character flaws are still there. I'm still the same person I was. And if that person couldn't get it done before, he's probably not going to get it done after. In that motivational speech, everything just kind of makes sense. Kind of like when we have a really nice, powerful service. 
and we get up and we're like, Haha, I can live for God. I can do it. But if you're not transformed at this altar, if all you are is inspired, if all you are is emotionally charged, you're still the same person going out those doors. And Monday morning, Satan's going to meet the same person he met last Monday morning. It takes more than that. If we consider one of these seminars versus the Army boot camp, Navy boot camp, if you will, Brother Shepard, I'm willing to concede. <laughs> uh, no comment there. We didn't hear that. Strike that from the tape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If we consider the difference between the two, a motivational speaker, he'll try to inspire me to do something I can't do right now. Has anybody ever been in Amway? Okay. Okay. Everybody should be in Amway one time. Everybody should. It is the experience of a lifetime. <laughs> Everybody know what Amway is? Okay, yeah. We'll get with you afterward. It's a, it's a multi-level marketing business. In any case, you basically someone gets you in the business, and then you've got to get six people into the business, and then you're going to help them get six people in, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the farther up the chain you are, you make a lot of money. But <laughs> you, see, you see the guy drawing the circles and, and, and showing you the plan. That's what they call it, showing you the plan. And it looks legit. It, it, it is legit. It is legit. It, it's legal. It's, and people up, up there, they do make some money. But, but, the person that I was going into that wasn't very conducive to that kind of business. I'll just say it like that. I had a lot of character flaws. I still do. I hope less than I did as the Lord continues to work on me. However, the person I was going into that Amway business just wasn't going to get it done. I felt motivated. I felt inspired. I could do this. And every time I went to a, one of these seminars, I mean, they would bring people up and I came from Timbuktu, and, and, you know, me and my wife were broke five times a week, and, and we, we were eating string beans and, and putting hay in our shoes to tie them up. And then we got into this business, and, and, you know, it was hard at first, but then it got better, and eventually, now we're making a lot of money. And they'd bring up those kind of people all the time. They're like, wow, if they, and they'd always end with this. If we can do it, so can you. That is not true. It's not true. Someone else, they did do it, okay? They did it. That doesn't mean that I can do it. Why? Because their character traits are different than mine. If I had the same character traits, yeah, I believe that I could. But if I've got all kinds of character flaws, the point is, it doesn't matter how motivated I become. I'm still not going to do it. Something is going to come up, a stressor is going to come up, and I'm going to fall by the wayside, which is exactly what happened. <clears throat> now, consider a motivational speech. Oh, I can do it. I, I can't do this. Versus boot camp. Before I went into boot camp, I was a civilian. And I thought like a civilian thinks. I acted like civilians act. But after I came out of boot camp, something happened. I wasn't a civilian anymore. I was transformed into something else now. I was different. 
I was different on a fundamental level. I thought different. I acted different. My bearing was different. I walked different. I was a soldier now, not a civilian. And that's the difference. Boot camp transforms people from civilians into soldiers. They start acting like soldiers act because that's who they are now. A two-hour motivational seminar inspires, motivates, but it doesn't transform. It doesn't do anything in here. And so... That's the difference. I come out a different person. Is God looking for personality? Or is He looking for character? Is He looking to inspire us? Or is He looking to transform us? I submit for your perusal this morning that He would rather transform you. Peter was very inspired when he told Jesus, I will never betray you. He had just spent three years under Jesus' teaching and preaching. He heard all of it. He saw everything. But unfortunately, he was still the same Simon Peter that Jesus met on that day at the docks, fishing. He's still the same Simon Peter. So when the stressor came, it didn't matter how motivated Peter was. His character came out again. His character weakness, his character flaws came out again. And he denied Jesus three times. Now we see an entirely different Peter, don't we? At the day of Pentecost, after he was transformed, he was entirely different. He stood very boldly. And preach the first message. That's the difference between inspiration and transformation. Our church services, they need to be more transformational and less inspirational. I love good preaching. I love fiery, red-hot services. But if all they do is inspire us, that's not enough church. That's not going to get us where we need to go. That will certainly not get us to where we need to be. We need to allow Jesus to transform us. We are never going to be motivated enough to stop living in sin. We're never going to be inspired enough to break free from our bondage to Satan. It doesn't matter how inspired and motivated I am, I'm still a slave to Satan. Nothing else is going to change that but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. If I could just get the people excited enough, they'll storm the gates of hell. Well, maybe I can get someone excited enough to storm the gates of hell, but they're all going to die because they're still civilians. Something more is going to be required than getting somebody excited to break free of our old nature. That requires transformation. Transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we look at this verse, and it's a good verse. And we understand what the words are saying. But I don't think sometimes we truly grasp the enormity, the completeness of what that verse is inferring. I don't think we grasp fully the ramifications of what that means. That we are new creatures. That old things are passed away. All things are become new. If we truly understood what that means... I am a different creation. I am a different species. I'm a different person altogether. 
than what I was before Christ. I'm something else entirely. The person that I was is dead. He doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. All of his character flaws, all of his weaknesses, all of his bondages, his addictions, whatever was there is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. God made me into this now. Transformation. Somebody who can do the will of God. Somebody who can seek His face. Somebody who can, who can love the things that He loves and hate the things that He hates. It used to be the exact opposite. I loved what He hated. And I hated what He loved. But now I'm a new creature. It's completely different. I am completely different. No matter what you told me back then, there is no way I could break free from that stuff. You couldn't motivate me enough to to stop doing what I was doing. You couldn't inspire me enough to be a different person than who I was. But God transformed me. He transformed me. He he completely shattered me and rebuilt me from the ground up into something different, something brand new. That is so powerful. The addictions I had back then are gone. The bondages that afflicted me then were gone. They're gone. They try to pop back. They try to rear their ugly head up. But they're gone. That's a lie from the enemy. We have got to be transformed. We have to be transformed from civilians to soldiers, as it were. We've got to be transformed from our old nature to a new spiritual nature. From sinners to saints. From carnal to spiritual. From a slave of Satan to a child of God. No amount of inspiration is going to take care of that. It's got to be the transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to work. That's the only thing that's going to make me a different person. I can project. I can get out of a a great service. I can get out of a motivational speech. And I can project someone different. Until I can't anymore. Until something comes up again. And I'm forced to revert to the old person. Now, when something comes up, I revert to the new person. With my new character. A character that day by day is becoming more like Jesus. It's more accurately reflecting His character. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth, that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, God's not going to motivate or inspire us to live righteously. He promises that we can actually be a partaker of the divine nature. That His divine nature is now resident inside of us. Before it wasn't. Before all I had was carnality and death. The old Adam. That's all I could could summon up. But now I am a partaker, and you are a partaker of the divine nature. He has given us exceeding great and precious promises. Those promises, you know, I I like to think that He would probably give us more promises 
but we just can't handle the ones that we already have. We stumble at the ones He's already given to us. It's kind of like the revelation of who Jesus is. We have the most complete revelation of who God is in this dispensation, the dispensation of grace in Jesus Christ. We have the fullest revelation of God that we've ever had. But it's a minuscule amount of the totality of who God is. We see, we see the, the speck of the tip of his pinky finger. I think, again, he, he, wants to reveal, he would want to reveal more, but we can't handle it. What we know of God already, we stumble at. We can't trust him already. We're so quick to, to judge him and, and to mistrust him. Every time something happens, every time we encounter a, a, a new situation, God hates me. God's out to get me. Where is God? Why me? <laughs> the more God transforms us and the more He reshapes us into His glorious image. His image. And we are partakers of the divine nature through these exceeding great and precious promises. We ought not stumble at them. We ought to receive them gladly, thankfully. But we need to receive them. He gave them to us. They are for our good. Let's receive the promises of God. Let's allow God to transform us day by day into His image. I don't want to stay this way. I'm glad that He has brought me to this point. I am so very thankful that I'm not there anymore. So thankful that I'm looking forward to going farther in God, becoming more like Him, having Him work out more flaws in me. I remember meeting an old missionary in River Falls when we were attending church there, Brother Abernathy. And Elder Brother Abernathy. I think, I'm pretty sure he's gone now. But uh, he was sitting right here in this church, not, you know, but in River Falls. He was sitting right in this area. And as I was coming up, I saw him and I felt something off of him. And it was... He was so refined, spiritually refined. I mean, not sophisticated, you know, tuxedo, not, not that kind of refined, but, but spiritually refined, perfected. I thought that was someone that's been through the fire seven times. That's someone who is reflecting the face of Jesus Christ. And I've thought many times since that meeting, that's how I want people to perceive me. When they come into my presence, I want them to see Jesus in me. I want them to hear His words, to feel His presence. I don't want them to see me. I don't have anything for anybody. I can't save me. I can't help myself. Jesus helps me day by day. He's my salvation. He's my all in all. And that's who I want to give someone else. So that Jesus can be their salvation, their help in time of need. Second Corinthians three and eighteen says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, as we progress, as we move forward in God, we ought to become more like Him. Transformation. We will never be inspired enough. We will never be motivated enough to do what He wants us to do. To be who He wants us to be. We have got to allow Jesus Christ daily to transform us. To put us on the potter's wheel and continually mold us and shape us into who He wants us to be. We understand that that's not always an easy process. That's not always a painless process. Sometimes it can be. The more we submit ourselves to it, 
the less we buck the system, the less we fight and kick and scream and moan and complain against what God is trying to do in our lives, and the more we yield to that, the easier it's going to be, the quicker it's going to happen. I want Jesus to be evident in me. When someone else comes to the Lord, we want to see God transforming them as well. Now we can encourage someone. Keep going. I know it's hard right now. God is your help. We're praying for you. The body is here for you. We can encourage people. But when someone is going through something, we ought to be encouraging them to transform. Allow God to use this situation to teach what needs to be taught. I learned, not as long ago as it should have been, but I did learn That when I go through hard times, I don't pray anymore for God to get me out of them. I pray for God to change me, teach me what I need to learn, fashion me into the person you want me to be. It's in the heat of the fire that that can happen. That's the only place that it can happen. It's also in the heat of the fire where God's going to reveal to us what needs to be changed. I've heard Brother Arnold say (laughs) in his sophisticated vernacular (laughs) he thinks he's doing pretty good and then God starts squeezing and all of this pus and gunk and black goo comes out. (laughs) Not exactly how I would have phrased it but I think the description is apt. We think we're doing pretty good sometimes and God puts us in a situation and before we know it, we're like, good Lord, what, where did that come from? <clears throat> There's still stuff in there that needs to be taken out, cleaned out. There's still stuff in there that isn't quite conformed to Christ's image. But it's in the heat of the fire, one, that God can show me that that needs, oh, I don't believe that. I'm doing pretty good. Okay, let me show you. There it is. Okay, now I see it. And two, it's in the heat of the fire where God can reshape me, refashion me, mold me a little bit closer to Him, a little bit more like Him. So although those are difficult times for us in the flesh, we ought to be thankful for them in the Spirit because we want to be Christ-like. We want to reflect His image. I want so desperately to be effective for Him. And I can't be effective for Him the way I am or the way I was. I have to be transformed. I have to to allow Him to reshape me and refashion me and remold me day by day so that I begin to reflect His image People see His image in me. People hear His voice in me. Amen. In conclusion, nothing wrong with inspiration. Nothing wrong with being motivated. I hope I didn't portray the wrong message. There's nothing wrong with that. Read a self-help book. I'd rather you were a positive thinker than a negative thinker. But, just understand, it will only take you so far. We need to be transformed. We need to be new creatures in Christ. Only transformation will stamp Christ's image on us. Only transformation will free us from our old nature. And only transformation will create in us a new nature. Amen. Let's all stand. Allow God to transform you. Yield yourself to His process.
going to be different for you than it is for me, than it is for someone else. But it's going to be tailor-made specifically for you. Thank God for it. Yield to it. And rejoice in the results that come. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful that You love us enough to correct us. That You love us enough to send us through some difficult times so that we can be transformed. So that we can be perfected in You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I'm so thankful that You love us that much. That You care for us that much. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that this body would yield itself continually, day by day, to You, to the process that You have selected for us, that we might be perfected in You. Pray for the remainder of our service, that You would minister here wondrously. Bless Your people, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.